You are listening to How to Rewrite Your Stars, the podcast that is all about helping you to change those stubborn patterns that seem as firm as the constellations in the sky. Here, you'll find people just like you, sharing their stories of triumph, courage, and hope. How they were able to rewrite the stars in their own life. This is the show for you if you've been looking for that person who overcame, whom you can relate to, or if you're looking for the tools to be able to change your own story. I'm your host, Benjamin Fincher, a life coach and mentor who's been working on self-mastery since I was nine years old. Join me now as I welcome another phenomenal guest to have them share their story with us today. Today's episode is sponsored by Starlight Mentoring. Welcome back to another week of the show, How to Rewrite Your Stars. I'm your host, Benjamin Fincher, joined today by Daniel Adams. Glad to have you on today, Daniel. Yeah, it's good to be here. What's up, creators? Excellent. So Daniel is the premier relationship coach in the marketplace for connective communication, freeing up emotional capital and infusing key relationships with purpose. He's been working with families closely for more than 10 years and loves exploring what makes people tick. Well, awesome. I remember reading in your story, Daniel, that um, you and your wife didn't exactly start out on the easiest foot, shall we say, <laughs> when it comes to finances and your relationships and all that. And I'm like, huh, I can relate. <laughs> so, so what if we dive into your story and then we'll bring it around to how to make things awesome? Let's do it. So my wife and I met in college and we were both in the student housing in the dorms as freshmen and i was looking for some toothpicks to make dinner for somebody and i didn't have toothpicks so i went around looking for who might have toothpicks and uh easier than going to the store when you're a college guy right right it's like you know no transportation whatever and like why would i buy a box of toothpicks if i only need six and So that's that's where it started. Tina answered the door and uh, I went back often. (laughs) Sounds familiar. A big part of our training, a big part of our conditioning for Tina and I is that um, being poor pulls couples closer together. Mm. Heard that often from both sets of parents, from religious leaders, from you know, all these folks, anybody who was 50 and above was like, oh yeah, we were just so poor and happy, you know, before money ruined our lives. And, you know, we had so much to keep up with and way too much responsibility. So, you know, just enjoy your poor time together. It'll, it'll really unite you. Um, so like true to form the first 10 years of our marriage, we made like $26,500 together was what we averaged. And uh, it's, that's hard to run a family on. Yeah, even a couple family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even 10 years ago. Right. <laughs> uh, but we were very obedient. You know, we did, we did our best. Like, okay, well, you know, and it's a subconscious, of course. But like, if this is the right. path, okay, we'll, we'll walk it. Poor time so, together. Yeah, we'll do our poor time together. We did it. It was, you know, we we changed jobs as often as we could. I think in 2010, we had um, eight W-2s that came our way when it was tax time. Wowzers. 
Wow. That's, that's where we started. And I'll be honest, um, our marriage got a lot better when we started making money. <laughs> Put a ton of strain and stress on us. It really did. The, the being poor, the being money. The being poor. Because we were so consumed in trying to get by. We were so consumed in like, let's get really articulate on what we're going to ask for at Christmas. So that we don't have to go buy it. So that we don't have to go buy it. Because we didn't have a lot to buy with. All right. Wow. And part of that was I see the world differently. And I love pursuing work with meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. And it was hard for me to find that in a corporate setting. Hard for me to find that in a career. Sitting at a desk, clickety-clacking all day, 40 hours a week, 70 hours a week, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, a lot of what set the table was we were, I'll speak for me because she's not here. Uh -huh. I was deeply selfish. And when I say selfish, I mean, I was focused entirely on what's in it for me. If I'm going to do a job, how much am I getting paid and how hard is it? I can relate. How much fun am I going to have there, right? Yeah. And like, it was very little about how much value am I adding to other people? What's the result that I'm producing for whoever I'm working for or working with? It was very much about, well, what am I getting? And am I making sure my needs are met? Mm -hmm. And that mindset and that consciousness level cemented us in poverty. And changing often. You know, we moved like eight or 12, I didn't keep track a lot. We moved wow. a bunch, started new jobs a bunch. Um, and we weren't very clear in what we were doing and why. And what it did for other people. Very clear mm -hmm. on what it would do for us. So our, our options were pretty limited. In everyone else's lives, sounds like. Yeah. One other benefit of, of being destitute well, two, actually, that I'll speak to. One is that we got to feel cared for. I leveraged that scarcity, uh, you know, for God to provide miracle after miracle after miracle and prove that he really, really loved me because he saw me in my, you know, really excruciating state and then mm -hmm. delivered. Uh, we got to be, you know, feel taken care of when the government paid for our son to be born. We got to feel, you know, and doing the, the Medicaid dance. Um, we got to feel cared for when we couldn't pay our rent. And uh, when our church got to help us out with food for a while. And um, got to feel cared for by my parents when they'd throw us some, some dollars. Got to feel cared for at Christmas. So we leveraged that for a while. Mm-hmm. The second thing that being ported was it kept us very safe because it limited our choices. 
when money came in, we knew exactly where it was going, food. And shortly after that, we knew exactly where it was going, rent. And so there were no choices to be made. It was, it was very safe, right? There were no, no discussions, no arguments. It was just simply like work hard so you can survive. And we know exactly where the money's going. Decisions already made. And that was very, very simple. So in that way, it was very, very safe. And that's why we kept that pattern for so long. Right. Over 3,000 days. Wow. Wow. And then I got tired of feeling ashamed. And I got tired of not trusting myself. I got tired of blaming everyone else for what I was experiencing. And so uh, we had created actually this uh, this self-care retreat for moms. Okay. It was going to be like this amazing, like come rejuvenate for four days and like have all this time and space. And um, it's a tough sell because most moms have a really hard time spending money on themselves unless they take it and leak it out sideways with extra groceries or a little shopping spent, you know, spending sprees. But like a lot of them aren't going to take $1,200 to go have an experience off site. And then they're not going to take days off either because they don't trust people with their kids. Right. So that was a tough sell and surprisingly um, zero people signed up and we fell flat on our face and the business model did not work and we didn't really build an audience and um, you know, rent was due and we didn't have money. And, and I went into a pretty deep depression and felt a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. And then I made a choice. And that choice was to create money no matter what. So I got a job at a under canvas, which is like a vacation company, uh, mm -hmm. glamping actually outside of Zion national park. Oh, nice. And every morning at 5am drove up there and uh, set out sleeping bags for people that wanted to glamp at $450 a night, these tents. <laughs> And, you know, I, I, I picked all the uh, bell peppers out of the barbecue, cleaning barbecues for folks. Did that for like $11 an hour or something. Wow. And that was the start. That was the start of focusing on what is it that people want and focusing on somebody else's result. Because I would take ideas of how to improve things to my supervisor and she didn't want to hear it because I was hired to clean the barbecue and to set out the sleeping bags. Funny how they always take that approach. <laughs> right? Like they had a system to run and they were looking for people to run their system. Improve they weren't looking for ideas to improve their system. That's not what they were paying me for. Right. We didn't have that agreement. Right? So when I brought that feedback, it 
there was there was no one to hear it that wasn't part of our agreement so i literally added so much value in that space that i grew out of it and found other opportunities and started working in hospice um started working for myself and it wasn't like it was deeply meaningful work i knew it was a stepping stone and i like added as much value as possible there to the families and got really clear on what is it that families are wanting. Mm-hmm. And that continued to grow income and that continued to free up my time. And I followed that path for some years. Um, and our revenue doubled in 2019. Awesome. And it doubled again in 2020 which was surprising because a lot of places let me go when right. COVID hit and revenue doubled again in 2021. Wow. And it's been an awesome way to learn. Higher quality problems, right? Yeah. Say more. For us or for our clients? I mean, to have more money and to have more options and, you know, you're no right. longer safe, as you were just saying, and you're no mm-hmm. longer cared for. Yes. Yeah. Maybe we'll throw some quotation marks around that. Right, because there's a really natural progression where, like, we now get to care for ourselves. Yeah. We now get to have more responsibility, which means we also have more possibilities to fail and to make mistakes and to commit to things that we don't follow through on, Mm -hmm. which drains our power, drains our energy, uh, impacts health, wellness, the way I treat people and my own Mm self-trust. I'll also say this, there's always another tier of stuff to buy. (laughs) And I remember the first time we went over 30 grand in a year and it was like, oh my gosh, like we can buy pants. This is great. And I remember the first time we made 60 grand in a year and it was like, oh my gosh, we just saved money for like the first time in years. Oh, and we get to pay for our own health insurance now. (laughs) and we weren't like necessarily incentivized to like make more money. So it's like, okay, well let's double again. And so the first year that we made 113,000, it got fun because we took a vacation. Awesome. And we bought a lot of the things that we had not had for a decade. Made sure we had like two functioning cars. And that was joyous. You know, it wasn't like, and it was a mental thing too. Cause it was like, we're driving this car that was a great deal for my grandparents. And also like, we were nervous, like what's going to break on it next. And we're just waiting for the shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. Cause like, that's what we could afford. And to like sell that and choose something with low miles that was reliable. Like, was this incredible 
it created a lot of space and a lot of mental capital and a lot of emotional capital for us because it's like we only have routine oil changes like that's it and tires every once in a while it freed up all this space um and that was joyous and then we doubled again and i was like it and it was wild to like receive two hundred thousand dollars in a year because we spent so many years being like man if we could just make 80k like everything would be different and in some ways that's true and in some ways it's not because I still have the same spending tendencies because I love to give and I love to invest in experiences. Yeah. And so when we had 50,000, I invested in experiences that fit that budget. And with 200,000, I invested in experiences that fit that budget. And like, there's always another tier of stuff to buy. And so I tell people all the time, like money is not a solution. It's a magnifier. Yes. And that can be little amounts, medium amounts, big amounts. And we get to decide what that means. Cause a lot of the clients I work with, we help them go from $20,000 months to $80,000 months. That's something that they really enjoy and that they really value. And the focus is on what creates that for them, which also helps me to receive an abundance. And invariably we keep learning the same lesson that money is not a solution. Cause I think if we just throw another 60 K at it, it's going to fix things. It's not like we have patterns of relating and those stay. And actually the more money that comes shines more light on how we're relating to ourselves, to God, to spouse, to our kids. And that's been a powerful lesson. And I love, walking couples through that. I love walking business owners through that. Cause it's like, man, if we just had X number of dollars, it's like, it's easy to think that way. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting for me, you know, being in a lot of these places you're mentioning on the first half of the equation, and I totally find myself thinking that's like, oh yeah, like, you know, if I just had an extra 50K, all these things would be taken care of. And they would up until I create the problem again. Right. Physically, they'd be taken care of. And there's always another tier of stuff to buy. Yeah, and then Okay, well, what does Benjamin do with money? Okay, well, if what he does with money is does this and then he's wishing for an extra 50K to fix all that. Right. (laughs) And have some more stuff, you know, it's like actually paid for instead of kind of Mm -hmm. sort of not really. (laughs) When I keep coming back, you know, Robert Kawasaki talks about like one of his earliest lessons was like, don't work for money. Yeah. Ooh, work, well, to, work to learn, work to serve, work to add value. Ooh, Don't work he, for money. It's a great tool. It, yeah. When I was reading his book, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like you're talking about, um, 
you know, those first couple chapters, he mentions, yeah, my rich dad says, okay, well, if I pay you guys $5 an hour, what was it? They're making 10 cents an hour or something like that before. Mm -hmm. And at the time that was bank money. I was like, you know, adults, if I'm not mistaken, adults wanted that kind of money. Right. And instead he said no and learned what to actually do. Mm -hmm. You can take all the learning in the world, though, but if you don't apply it, that's right. where I find myself. I'm like, okay, what else do I need to learn about money? And then I'm like, wait, what else do I need to apply that I already know? <laughs> the other thing that I've noticed with lots of clients and in our own lives too, is that, you know, with money as a magnifier, most people are hesitant to experience their emotions. <laughs> both on, both from an emotional place and the sensations that the emotions produce. And so when anytime more money shows up, it will shine a light on emotions yeah. and especially emotions that haven't been felt or dealt with. It was kind of funny. Um, I, I definitely relate on the emotional piece, but just yesterday it was payday for me and I currently at my job, I get paid on a monthly basis. Just been a different style of thinking. I'm like, interesting. What can I learn from this? Yeah. And I was looking at it and I'm like, okay, I got a 50 cent raise from my last job to this job. And I'm looking at the same amount of money that I would have had in the bank because I got sick the sufficient amount of days last month to get this amount of money. What am I missing? <laughs> and I know it's a mindset thing. Yes. And I'm just like, why do I miss? I also know that I'm really, 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 really good at buried emotions, or so I think. When we talk about emotions, it's it's the four core emotions. It's anger, which most people are taught anger is bad and it hurts people. It's sadness, but most people were taught that sadness is weakness. And that it's something to apologize for, especially at church. And fear. And that fear is something that needs to be overcome. And fear and faith can exist in the same space. So, like, make sure you cast out fear. And joy. Because no one likes to show off. And I learned all these things from all these people who are like, you'll be a better person if you're poor because rich people are the worst and it ruins your character and rich people get divorced and blah, 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 blah. Right. All these stories. Well, it turns out that pretty much everyone across every, every demographic gets divorced, says the research, really has nothing to do with income. <laughs> so that was like kind of interesting to untether. And there are a lot of people that are a lot better off after they divorce. And there are a lot of people that are a lot worse off after they divorce. So like, there's just so many factors at play. Like, yeah. But joy. Coming back to joy. 
one of the questions that started to change our experience was how good can we stand it? I saw, I saw that question on the form I had you fill out, but I I couldn't quite understand which intonation. You like in what context? It. Right. Yeah. I'm like, there, there, there's something that is context behind this that makes me understand it. I don't know. Yeah. And the first place I heard it was in a book by Gay Hendricks called The Big Leap. Okay. And... um with a coach that really helped me see myself in the world in a different way named Christopher Stubbs for anybody listening. Like if you're not in Christopher's space, please go get in Christopher's space, like friend request him, whatever, like find a way to be where he is. Love that. Um, how good can you stand it? And it's this question of like, not, how much suffering can I withstand? How much trial and temptation can I withstand? But like, what if I could learn from joy? What if I could learn from ease? What if I could learn the lessons of having as much money as possible? What if I could experience an intimacy with my partner at such a level? You know, what is possible? How good can I stand it? How much success can I tolerate? before I don't feel safe anymore and start trying to protect myself. Mm. And in the book, The Big Leap, he talks about it's wild that when we get a promotion shortly thereafter, there's often like an illness or some kind of financial crisis or like a big car wreck or something. It's yep. like, you know, something in us is clearly uncomfortable with the amount of success that we're experiencing. And so we try and protect ourselves by like getting rid of money or getting rid of people or trying to shove down even farther the feelings or getting sick as this is the <laughs> right. fourth episode I've recorded during this one sickness. <laughs> <laughs> you just keeps hanging on. <laughs> so there you go. This is, uh, you know, it's been two days worth of recording, but <laughs> well, Benjamin, I've sent a, a lot of, worth of episodes. Way. First of all, but like once we started playing with that question, like how good can you stand it? Like what if taking a trip to SeaWorld with my son is the single most important catalyst for our wealth this year? What if I'm the kind of person that receives a three times return on that investment of time and money to take my kid to SeaWorld in Florida? How good can I stand it? starting to click for me hopefully the listeners are following along i'll share an experience i was uh working with somebody named heather and she's a big time creator and owns a seven-figure business and she very very much is driven to create time and money freedom mm -hmm. she's in her 30s um and a glorious soul and Within three days of us talking, she went out and created a new opportunity for herself that was an extra $30,000. Mm -hmm. 
And it was so fun to watch this win because we were playing with this question, how good can you stand it? And she's like, well, I'm going to go test it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fun to watch that flow in and then fun to watch lots of clashing happen in the nuclear family. And so it was like we had this huge win and it brought up all these feelings and all these old patterns and shown a beautiful light on what had already been there, but now was showing up bigger. And we got to work through that. Awesome. And that's, that's a lot of what coaching looks like is like our bodies are these incredible instruments and they respond to sensation because I know what it's like in my house when I think of this thought that's like, we don't have enough money to turn the air down this month. So I'm going to leave the thermostat at 81. Oh my gosh. And my body knows what that feels like to be sweating in my chair in the middle of the afternoon. And I can feel the perspiration on my skin and I can feel the discomfort and I can feel the stickiness of my clothes on my back. And my body anchors that into this is the way we live. Mm. So that's part of what we coach on is just like bringing awareness into the body and becoming fully embodied to say like, okay, what are the sensations that I'm feeling? What are some of the messages that my body is bringing me? Is there tension in there? Is there dull pain? Is there sharp pain? Is there tinglings? Are there excitements? Are there times where my body feels wide open and excited to receive? And then I shut it down so I can stay safe. And the more we play with these sensations, we can start pairing them with joyful moments and expand our capacity to receive joy. So when I take my son to Florida and SeaWorld, I can experience what that feels like on my skin. And I can start to pair really positive, joyful memories with us walking out onto the beach together and he's just like giddy bouncing up and down and dad come here and dad come see this and it's amazing we're here and come get in the water with me and I can still feel that sensation of the water hitting my shins and the warmth of the Gulf Coast and all of that I can start to play in how good can I stand it and the salt wind hitting your face Cause I can taste it right now as we're talking, which is weird. Cause I'm in Tennessee, but I can still feel it. Right. And there's all this research that's showing us that the mind, the visual cortex literally doesn't know the difference between what you see on a screen and what you see from a person. Mm-hmm. The mind doesn't have ability to discriminate that. And based on what I see and think I create sensation in my body. The body is an amazing tool. So can we point that for stuff that serves us and that adds a ton of value to the people around us? I say, yes, that's what I've been guiding clients to do. That's what my wife and I have been using. That's part of what, you know, six times our income. I love helping couples do that emotionally, relationally, financially. It's a method that has worked powerfully for many. Yeah. So I think I was first introduced to that type of concept reading The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. 
<laughs> Very related. And at the time, I didn't have a car, and so I started using that to imagine. Mind you, I didn't have a license either. <laughs> yeah. So I would stand in front of my vision board in my room, close my eyes, and imagine, okay, I'm stepping into my car, and then it's been a couple of years and i've got a different car at this point so let's see how much i can actually remember you know i step into the car and then i now this car i have now in that car despite being both toyotas are kind of different you can feel them though i have like three images trying to compete for what i'm imagining right now the one that i do like you know every day going to work the one that i did for a year and then the one that i did for a few months leading up to that first one Mm -hmm. but but i would imagine you know okay i sit down put the key in the ignition and then you know shift it into drive but or actually no shift it into reverse because i was living at my my parents place and they reverse out of the driveway and you know get out onto the street and then start going down the street and i'd imagine going um where did i go is that that one place I was working? I think so. Maybe it was somewhere else. Anyways, you know, I did drive down the street and drive to where I was working at. And, you know, I did that such to the point where eventually that, you know, a decently short amount of time that car showed up. And, you know, before that point, I had my license. It was the Monday I got my license and Friday I got the car same week it came quick yeah those are powerful images right and not just the image but the sensory of the seat and the hands on the steering wheel and the smell of the car you mentioned that now i'm like okay it was a nice steering wheel it was an avalon 2001 but it yeah was an avalon and a nice steering wheel well and the vibration of the motor under your a butt six cylinder the, yeah it was you know as soon as the light screen, double check. Right. Right. And it's, you know, the feeling of your stomach in the seat as you're accelerating. Like all of that is powerful and it's engraved in the body. So as we start to mine those and aim them, because most people only notice their body when it hurts them. <laughs> and if we can change that way of relating to the body and start noticing it when it thrills us, joys us, pleases us, connects us right expand our capacity to experience joy it's a very very powerful skill i watched my son at his birthday party he's 11 somebody gave him 20 dollars for a birthday present you know in a card or whatever right for most adults you take a peek in the card, you make sure nobody sees how much money's in it so you can be discreet, you slide it under the table and you, you know, shake hands and say thank you. My son opened the card, held up the $20, yelled out in joy and jubilation and said, I and started running around the porch yelling and hooting and hollering, I got $20. He was having a fullness of joy and he wanted to share it with everybody. And everybody there, from what I could see, was pumped that he got $20 and felt inspired that maybe they could experience $20 also. 
right? Like he wasn't afraid about protecting himself or being discreet. He wasn't afraid of what other people thought. He wasn't afraid about making other people feel bad because he had more. Right? Watch the children. They embody emotion. That's such a fullness. And this is where life can move through us. This is where we start to add value to other people and start thinking about what's exciting for them. And we're creating that and naturally money follows and gratitude and right. Like that gets the currency flowing. Yeah. It's, it's interesting as you're mentioning that the being discreet, I'm extremely good at being discreet. <laughs> well, it's such a taboo thing, right? Like money in general. It's yeah. similar to sex. Like both are extremely like, well, we don't talk, about, talk that. about that. And at the dinner table. Right. And certainly not in public and certainly not with other people. And it's like, there's a respect, of course. There's a sacredness, of course. And, you know, a level of propriety. And it's different for different people. Like my partner is a lot more private than I am, right? I'm an open book and I'm happy to talk about any of my experiences as long as they're serving somebody else. It's weird that we've decided that those are taboo. Well, because if they weren't, then we maybe would understand them better. Right. <laughs> but like every single person that I'm aware of gets to play in money because that's like the way we decided to exchange as a culture. And literally every person I know was born from sex. So isn't it weird that we're like not really having that discussion openly? Right. It's like if we just pretend like... Like literally every person that's been created came from sex. Like, isn't it weird that we don't talk about that? It's like we're pretending it doesn't happen, but like literally people wouldn't happen. <laughs> well, it's funny because the, the episode that aired last week that I got done recording like 20 minutes ago, <laughs> we were talking about moms and, yeah. you know, we're, you know, not exactly going into the sex aspect of it, but you know, we're talking all about moms and motherhood. So, right. And then I'm like, wait a second. And I've done this many times, but just recalling, okay, everyone I know once was a baby. Everyone I know has a mother and every child of a person I know that they are their mother, they birth that person. Right. I'm just like, whoa. Like, it was crazy. I was at the gym and I'm like looking around just, you know, casually and i was just like wait a second everyone here was a baby once that's weird super weird and like what causes us to grow it's a miracle yeah that it is and some part of me wonders like if I can simply get out of my own way, if I can simply play in this question of how good can it get, might I grow emotionally and spiritually and fiscally with the same ease that my body simply grows? Yeah. Like I was helpless at one time. Like all I could do was lay on the floor. That's it. Thrash. <laughs> and if nobody fed me i died right like that's a 
it's a really humble way to come into the world. And I, you know, I felt that way financially for years and years and years that if nobody fed me, I would die. And to grow the muscles of like, how can I use my talents and my skills to produce a result for somebody else that they're passionate about? Mm -hmm. I was explaining this to my son too, because uh, he's quite the, the entrepreneur. Awesome. He decided he really wanted Smash Brothers for his uh, Nintendo Switch. And this was like two weeks ago. He's like, okay, I need $60. I was like, awesome. How are you going to create it? He's like, I don't know. Because um, my birthday is in June and I just had it. So, hmm. He was kind of stuck for a minute. And I was like, tell you what. Why don't you go around this family reunion we're at and ask everybody what they value? Ooh. So he got his little clipboard out and he started walking around and asking questions. And his grandma said, well, I have a whole bunch of stuff in the yard I want picked up and I value that at $2. Will you go pick it up? And he's like, absolutely. Out he goes. His aunt goes, Tanner, I never gave you a birthday present. Can I give you $10? He's like, yeah. <laughs> right. And it's just like this. It I starts will accept to snowball. Right. It starts to snowball. Somebody's like, I value my car being cleaned at $5. Out he goes. And it was so fun to watch the wheels turn, you know, and he struck a deal with me. Hey, dad, would you split this with me and whatever? And I got to check my, you know, my fun budget category. It was like, yeah, it seems like Smash would be a really fun way to connect with him. So, like, sure, I'd be willing to pay half. So now all of a sudden he's sitting at 45 and they needed 65. Right. And he's darn close. Um, so then he goes to his other grandma and she's like, well, I value weeding at, at $20. All right. And then he went and talked to one of the friends we were staying with on a trip. And he's like, if you weed this patch, I value that at $30. And so he got to have this lived experience too, of like different people will offer like different people value the same job at different amounts. Oh yeah. And it's simply a choice of who you want to work for. Do you want to work for the person paying $2, the person paying $20, the person paying $30? There's pros and cons to all of them. Like it was really low bar of quality for $2 grandma. He was out there for like maybe 10 minutes. And she didn't even double check the job. You know, like really low standards for quality and also low pay. Relatively, right? Right. Um, so, you know, it's these lessons with money that are coming through. That's like different people value the same thing at different amounts. And so like, and we get to pick who we want to work with and who we want to work for. And that's all in the agreements that has a lot to do with my self-trust and my self-confidence. How do I build trust and self-confidence? I got to look at my thoughts. I got to get comfortable with my feelings and I got to get comfortable with my body sensations. And I got to be the guy who does what he says he's going to do. Yeah. Integrity with yourself. Integrity with self, right? Because when I overcommit and when I underdeliver, that drains my time, that drains my energy, that drains my self-trust, that drains my confidence. And I start having all these thoughts about what a you know, terrible person I am. And the way to undo that is to commit to a little and over deliver on it 
and add more value than I committed to deliver, right? And that's a very sustainable growth pattern. And then all of a sudden people are like, that guy over delivers, like go over there, right? Like that's part of what's blowing up crumble cookie. It's like, can you believe how big these cookies are? And can you believe how many flavors they have? And can you believe how cool it is that we have, like, I literally have to share these because I wish I could eat the whole box, but I can't. So now it becomes a social event, right? Like they're over delivering. Yeah. And it's a very sustainable arc. Yeah. And, you know, um, I got a message in the group feed yesterday, you know, while I was sick here at home, that's like, Hey, happy Friday. A customer is really impressed. And so we've got crumble in the break room, you know, cut them in half oh, the yeah. flavors <laughs> so, you know, right there. Speaking of crumble, here they are. And there was part of me. It's like, dang it. I wish I wasn't sick. I want a crumble cookie. <laughs> totally. Obviously not the only reason, but you know, So I appreciate the chance to tell our story. I appreciate mm. the chance to share some of the principles that I get to coach on every day and what it's producing for so many other couples. Because this works for emotions. This works for relational intimacy, closeness, just like the way two people treat each other every day. Um, this works for parenting. This works for health certainly works in business right everything we do is centered in relationships yeah i had a podcast episode last year where it's like you know how do you do business you get connections with people because until i add value to a person no money is exchanged yeah you mentioned the secret too and i one other distinction i love to bring is like the secret's great and I've spent time like, you know, visualizing the dream car mm -hmm. and it came first. It was a test drive. Second, it was, I rented it for a week and drove it across Tennessee. And then third, we had the cash flow to buy it. So I bought it. Awesome. And it, I love it every day when I sit in the model S nice. it, is, it is joyous. I and at the same time, that's not adding a ton of value to other people. Yeah. And so in some ways it's empty. And so like, yeah, the secret works and yeah, I can get all this stuff for me and I can go get a fast car and I can go get a dream house. And those things are important. It is true. And I want to take the secret one step farther and manifest with a purpose. Like what would happen if we spent time visualizing every day what it was like to sit around the dinner table as a family and celebrate each other, what kind of culture would that create? What if we spent time every day envisioning that every single person got to have a square meal? Yeah. What if we got to picture every single day that every single business was profiting because they add more than they take? Right, because right now in America, 80% of businesses close. 
within five years. Four in five fail. And it's a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous waste of time and money. And the saddest thing about it is, is it's people that are trying to get their own situation better. And, you know, oftentimes they see a need and they try and fill it, but they just don't know how to actually manage it. Right. And yeah, and whether it's, you know, exploitive or whether it's innocent, like, what would it look like to use the principles of the secret to envision a world where every single venture profits? creates more than it takes what would it be like to envision every single person having affordable housing what would it be like to envision a culture where we take care of our seniors not by paying nine thousand dollars a month to have them in a care center if they're lucky enough to have nine grand a month for housing some people do a lot of people don't So these are some of my curiosities. These are some of my how good can we stand it individually, in families, and as communities. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I've mostly got it, but I'm trying to figure out what the distinction is um, that, that, you know, makes it just that much different than the secret is it the adding value bit yeah the distinction is instead of like because i want a nice car like there are a lot of vision boards out there with cars on them (laughs) and and i was one of them and it's inspiring and it's great and it built a lot of confidence that i can literally create anything right because at the time Mm -hmm. that i stuck tesla model s on my bathroom mirror we were making 30 grand a year and the cars start at 80. Right. So like so in what reality was that possible years. for me? Two and a half years of the whole. Right. Like year. literally buying nothing else. Yeah. Not exactly a realistic. So like it was super inspiring for me to create that and live into that and like feel the steering wheel and the seats and share the joy. But the distinction becomes instead of focusing on what am I getting out of the universe? What am I getting from God? What am I getting from my spouse? What am I getting from my kids? What am I getting from my employer? How good is my benefit package? And if I don't like it, I'm going to jump ship to the next company who offers a more competitive package. What if we start using the principles of the secret to add value to other people? Yeah, I know for me, you know, the dream home that I've got imagined that I'm striving to ensure my wife has input on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a very visual person, so I've got you know the whole main floor mapped out. <laughs> Love it, as well as you know most of the upper terrace. Uh huh. And I think one of the biggest things to to well. interesting kitchen great room piano parlor library and study and the upward astronomy terrace all of those 
have an element that is focused on others. Right. They're gathering places. They're places to share in joy and art. Yes. They're places to share in learning. There's places there there are places to share in wonder. Right. And Why is, is Airbnb so effective? Right? We take it apart. It's like you've got a property just sitting there. As I increase the velocity of the number of people that have access to the experience of that property, it increases the value. Okay. Because I get to go have my feet in the ocean in South Florida, and I'm happy to pay $300 a night for four nights to do that. And they've still got 27 other nights that right. they could share that value with somebody else. Yeah. How can we use the secret for that? And similar, you know, like here are all the people at my house using the astronomy tower. Here are all the gatherings happening. Yeah. You know, we invite all of the veterans from our area to the piano parlor and play some of their favorite songs. You better believe that dream's coming in quick. Mm -hmm. I just need to have somebody who actually knows how to map a place help me figure it all out. Sure. <laughs> a lot of talented are, architects out there. Our brains can create those optical illusions that are impossible objects. And I'm like, right. I need to make sure that I'm not creating impossible corridors here. <laughs> <laughs> the never ending stare and whatever else. Right. So, so is that just what you do with the whole business and everything is you're like, how can, how is this adding value to others? That's where it shifted for us. Okay. That's what Christopher Stubbs planted in me. He's like, and he was really blunt with me. He's like, you are so focused on what you want from other people that you're limiting everything. Like, this is why your business produces $28,000 a year. Because it's about you. Stop making it about you. We don't care about you. Go add value to somebody else. Get really, really clear on what they are hoping to create and help them create it. Hmm. And that's when revenue doubled. And that's when revenue doubled again. And that's when revenue doubled again. Isn't it interesting how we hear the same thing again and again and again? And then it's when we're finally ready to hear it. It's like, oh, duh. <laughs> For real. It's like, oh, well, now I have this lived experience of the fruit of that. And now I'm in the whole, how good can you stand it game? Because some days it's like, well, gosh, should I just go take a, another job at 55 grand and just like not have to go? Because <laughs> there's no ceiling where I'm at and there's also no floor. Yeah. <laughs> so some months I have $36,000 months and some months I have $2,700 months. And so it's there's ways to do that differently. And that's the next lesson I'm learning. Is how good can I stand it? How many consecutive $30,000 months could I experience? And what could I do with it? Who could I help with it? Yeah. 
Hey, have, you, have you read The Jackrabbit Factor by uh, Leslie Householder? Book. Yeah. I love, love how the, basically the end of it. It's like, what, 80 pages? Super short. Mm-hmm. But wow, profound. Um, I love how at the end of it, it talks about that one couple that the rabbits are just following them because right. they're for others. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. Oh. But by them being for others, you get to participate in the joy that comes with it. Okay, which is where the emotion comes in. Yes. I really hope the listeners are being able to connect all these thoughts like I just did. It's it's fun to watch and fun to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. It's sparking like in my body. So take a minute, listeners, right now and notice what is in happening in your body. So for me, it's like I felt a desire to breathe deeply. I'm feeling a tingling in my pelvic floor i'm feeling space in my diaphragm and i'm feeling a tingling between my shoulders as we make these connections together that wasn't a coincidence i don't know if you saw that but the light just flickered here (laughs) getting electric getting electric Yeah, the interesting thing is, and I'm I'm trying to figure this out as you're asking, but I was introduced a few months ago to this podcast where they talk about um, being able to overcome your negative habits Mm. by feeling the urges that make you want to do those habits and just existing with them in the same room and saying, okay, I see you, I'm observing you, I'm feeling you. And I'm just like, okay, how do I do this? And so I think, you know, there's a slight, almost like a many, many faceted star in my mind that's, well, above my head. (laughs) It just like kind of lifts me upwards. And there's a slight expansion, a happy expansion in my chest. A relief in my shoulders where I'm not holding on to as much anymore. Is that just something you practice daily to understand what you're feeling? It's a neural pathway. Yes. It's a developable skill to stop in and notice like, okay, I'm eating dinner right now. What's my body sensation as I'm eating? Okay. I'm eating a piece of, I'm eating a crumble cookie right now. What's the sensation I'm noticing? Okay, I've got saliva <laughs> glands that are going. I was just nuts. about to say my saliva glands are already going. <laughs> and just that simple act of noticing, right? And this is part of what keeps people in joy instead of lust. Because I can eat a thin mint Oreo, and if I'm slow with it and I smell it, and I like enjoy the crunch of it, and I enjoy the little burst of minty freshness, I'll have maybe one or two. And if I take time to truly savor it and like open up my heart space, like breathe with it and like share the joy with somebody around me, there might come sounds like, or whatever the sound is. I'm usually good with like two. 
It's when I'm not connected with my body that I eat the whole bag, even the last four that I didn't really want. Because you got to finish them off because otherwise you can't put them away. And then when you get them out, they're not going to be enough. Right. But if you take the time to be present. So yeah, it's like you said, it's a skill. It's practicable. It's like the more I can notice. And it's the same thing. Anger has sensations. Mine sits in my jaw, up my spine, and in my shoulders. My sadness sits in my chest, my throat, and in my sinus behind my eyes. My fear sits in the pit of my stomach. My joy sparks between my toes and my fingers, my pelvic floor, and right back here, and by the pituitary and pineal glands. So what do you do with the other emotions? You just feel them? Like you said, we've been taught all our lives to just shut that up be them just be quiet just stop mm-hmm. one just of the great it. misconceptions is that there are negative emotions and positive emotions and maybe there are like let's take it from a high school physics perspective we're looking at the anatomy of an atom right there's neutrons there's protons and there's electrons the electrons carry a negative charge the protons carry a positive charge and because those poles are in there it creates motion right so like, okay, let's say that there are negative emotions and that there are positive emotions. They create motion, which is great. Wow. Okay, this is something that has been coming up a few times recently and I think it's awesome to share with you and the listeners. Um, I've got this guy I work with. He's very, very philosophical and I enjoy talking with him. He was talking to me about the Greeks and the elements, you know, mm. fire, earth, air, water, as well as the ether, which is the fifth element, yes. which is, and he says, you know, the uh, fire and air want to go up and earth and water want to go down, but ether moves in a circle. It is mm. a eternal round, if you will. It's a circle. And as I was talking with him, I'm like, Oh, yeah. Well, like, you know, in the movie Interstellar and other international or uh, interstellar space flight, artificial gravity is created by spinning. I'm like, gravity is spinning. Spinning creates gravity. And as you're just mentioning the positive and negative charges, you have to have both so that your life will rotate and generate a gravity around you, which then brings the people around you to you and this is the science behind the secret that it's not some magic woo woo it's like literally particle physics <laughs> Ta-da! we just Ta-da. <laughs> right and there's a literal gravity to it right and every time i this is why like so much of the coaching process is getting people clear on what they truly honestly desire desire also creates gravity it's part of the fire element okay every single dream draws in other people to help fulfill it it's one of the miracles of human life yeah anything worth doing often has another person involved with it whether that's god whether that's your own concept of yourself or a loved one every solution comes from a relationship of some kind. No one ever created money 
without adding value to another human being who then traded them money. Yeah. Even PayPal taking 3% of every charge. Because people are trading money, PayPal gets 3% on every transaction. What value are they adding? It goes quickly. You don't have to write a check. You just press one button and send it. Right. And I value that at 3% of whatever I just paid. Because mm-hmm. otherwise you're spending a lot more time. Right. Which people super undervalue. Most mm-hmm. most people. Non-renewable resource. Yes. I love what you're saying about Interstellar too. Like such a good movie. Spin. I'd be curious to hear feedback um, from you beautiful souls who are listening. Curious what you're getting out of today. Curious what's sparking for you. Absolutely. Because, you know, you and me are bouncing off each other here and Mm -hmm. get to hear that feedback. Or even more people bounce off us. Because every single one of us has a piece to the puzzle and every single one of us getting clear and confident in what we see, think, and feel and bringing that to the pool of shared meaning between all of us, that's what creates the magic. And when I'm comfortable with me, I don't need you to believe anything that I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. I just simply can honor what you're sharing because you're a human and I care about you because I care about me. We just care about each other. And so, of course, we can share opinions, even if they don't match, even if they create motion, because one of them is on a pole and the other one's on the other pole. Yeah. Positive, you know, quote unquote positive or quote unquote negative. They're opposing, meaning they're on different sides. So it creates motion. It's what has planets spinning around suns which are spinning around galaxies which are spinning around black holes yeah which are spinning around the galactic clusters which are <laughs> right it's a whole lot of momentum yeah. and we're made to have momentum yeah i mean you so like a couch potato and all of a sudden you feel terrible but if you even just go for right. a walk you feel great right and how much value am i adding on my couch how much more likely am I to encounter other humans or trees or other living things out on a walk? I recorded three podcast episodes today and I'm like, I need to get outside. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've left the door for the past three days. Cause I'm yeah. <laughs> like, I just need to go up the Canyon, just walk. Yeah, man. Get out yeah. on some grass barefoot somewhere. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, there's grass just to... oh that's where everyone takes their dogs <laughs> <laughs> landmine uh, there's grass over there that'd be good grass this is phenomenal yes you are thank you and deeply appreciate the conversation today and the chance to share absolutely and thank you very much Daniel yeah, it's been uplifting for me. Like I love the way I'm feeling internally as we share, as we make connections. Yeah. And I pray the same thing's happening for y'all as you're listening. 
calling out some more sensations. I feel a rising sensation around my heart. Like a, you know, I, I'm I'm wearing a snuggie, so I'm warm. <laughs> yeah, but also just there's that you know warmness of my breast. This mm-hmm. just there, it's full. Yeah, I'm like, what if I spent eighty percent of my time in that sensation? We get into this question of how good can how we stand good it? Can I stand it? It's. I'm gonna have to think about the body language behind it, but I keep whenever I have ahas, I like lean back in my chair. It, uh-huh. I think it's just like to soak it in, to open the airway and allow breath to enter. Yeah, you know I'm like hunched over here. <laughs> yeah, to free up the spine, oh, to free man. up the spine, oh, that's to create space. For those listening, get a good stretch in right now. Lean back. If Hands you can, up put above your, your head. Arms behind your head. Give yourself a good stretch in the shoulders. Probably not like me. <laughs> I kind of want to share the video. This part. <laughs> Please do. Uh, okay. Sensations of stretching. And now my back has... A lightness to it and this is maybe just low blood sugar but my hands have a tingling <laughs> mine too okay maybe it's not that's that's good to hear i needed to eat more but when yeah, living it's... things circulate it promotes life yeah this is part of why capitalism in many ways is a very healthy system because we're incentivized to exchange and to circulate. This is why this is the prince. This is the law behind the law of tithing. God doesn't need my money. It's about circulation. Mm. And every time I circulate, I create space for something to flow back. Yeah. The trees need my carbon dioxide and I need the trees oxygen. Like we are designed to circulate same inside our bodies, you know, with the, with the tingly hand sensations. That's cool. So if we were to sum it up, is it just as simple as add value to other people, feel your sensations and feel your emotions? Yes. And then we get all complicated. We're like, I want it to be more complicated. It's simple. How do I do that? And sometimes, like, I have freaking big emotions that are really intense. And big waves of big energy that I'm afraid if I can handle. Most people are not afraid of falling. Most people are afraid of hitting the ground. Yeah. And if they can handle the pain of hitting the ground. It's not not the flying bit. No. it's the it's the crashing. With sudden impact <laughs> it's i'm afraid to crash which is a, another layer of why money is scary for many people if Please i have more money will i lose ground. it will i crash it interesting i was just sharing this in the last episode too about the law of the freeway how 
there's always somebody ahead of you. There's always somebody behind you. Always. And people often make fun of the people that stop by on the side of the road to upgrade their vehicle. You know, upgrading your mindset, mm-hmm. upgrading your habits, upgrading your emotions, all that stuff. And I've used the example the past couple of times I've shared this. So, you know, maybe people on the freeway riding bikes or just walking, they're making fun of you for getting a motorcycle or a car. And then along comes a guy with a private jet. And that goes to what you were just saying. It's afraid of falling. The jet will move you so much faster, so much further, so much further, so much faster. But there's a lot more risk, if you will. There's a lot mm-hmm. more potential in any direction with it. What if it costs more than I can handle? What, what if, if I crash falls? it? What if I burn it? What if I wreck it? What if it creates a pain for me that I'm not equipped to deal with? What if it creates the life you've wanted? Exactly. Then who would I be? How good can you stand it? How good can you stand it? That question makes sense to me now. <laughs> and I love talking about it. Excellent. Well, I feel like we're about that point to wrap up. Anything you'd add before we do, Daniel? I deeply value relationships. Deeply grateful for you, Benjamin, and for what you're creating, the series you're creating, the consistency that you're all with. Thank you so much for creating this intersection. You're welcome. Thank you. Value that very much. Um, I love having conversations. So for anybody listening, like, come find me. Let's have a conversation. I want to hear about what's important to you. If there's a way I can help you create that, let me know. Some of that may involve money. Some of it may not. Like, I'm here to serve. I'm here to create a new planet and a new way of living. I think a lot of us are. If we see what's not working. And we're here to create something new. So, like, let's be in conversation about what that can look like. You know how you get crazy ideas, but then you have to ask yourself, how good can I stand it? Uh (laughs) I've had, at this point, I think over 60 guests. I'm like, if I could just get all these people in a room, I'm like, well, online exists. And I'm like, huh, there's a crazy idea. Follow that thread, will you? See where it leads? Yeah. How good can I stand it? And if you want to do it in Nashville, call me and we'll figure it out. (laughs) Awesome. If people wanted to find out how to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Such a good question. Go to youcancreate.thinkific.com. I'll have that in the show notes so you don't have to spell it out. I've got a swath of course offerings there. Um, And if none of those float your boat and you just want to have a conversation, come find me on Facebook, Daniel Adams. Uh, I got long hair in my profile picture. It might be pulled up. I don't even remember what's on there, but tag me. I think you've got it in a ponytail on the Facebook. Tag Benjamin. He'll connect us. Um, Love to have a conversation (laughs) with you. Come find me on Facebook. Come be in my space. Love to pollinate. Love to synergize. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. Oh, you've provided so much value. I want to make sure you keep having opportunities too. Thank you. It's interesting the way we think because it's like, well, 
I want to give something back to you, but it's like, well, you just want to give. So let me give you more opportunities to give. <laughs> <laughs> right. And where's the receiving in that? Yeah. Both essential. Yes. Creates that motion and the spinning. Because mm -hmm. if you're only doing one or the other, you stop yourself up and you stop spinning or you get into a there's words for it but you get into an out of whack spiral totally <laughs> awesome well for listeners thank you very much for being here today i wouldn't say a less high energy episode but a little bit more relaxed and spaced out but very high energy still i love it remember you can rewrite your stars and other people will help you how can you help them we'll see you guys next week be well thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today i hope that you've been able to gain that missing piece or get that gold nugget you've been needing to continue rewriting your life how you want it to look. Until next time, I'm Benjamin Fincher, helping you to rewrite your stars.